12 years, you didn't even know you had a son. But then one day, I ran away from military school to look for you. And I'll never forget the words you said when your eyes met mine. You're my what? Mr. Stratton? Yeah. Are you Edward Stratton III? That's me. Pleased to meet you. Hi. I'm your son. To join this man and this woman in holy matrimony. Will you, Edward, take this woman as your lawful and wedded wife? I will. And will you, Kate, take this man as your lawful and wedded husband? I will. With this ring, I thee wed. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Hey there everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Well, before I start um, discussing the episodes today, that's right, I said episodes and not episode, I actually am going to start doing two episodes in one. And actually I will be taking a little bit of time off. Just because uh, stuff coming up on the home front soon, so need to be focusing on that. So it's going to be a little bit before we get back into season four after this. So that's why I'm giving you two episodes. So the first one, of course, I'm going to talk about is season four, episode seven, entitled One Strike and You're Out, which aired on November 10th, 1985. Rick negotiates with his grandfather on a labor dispute regarding minimum wage being paid at his restaurant, which has a 7.0 out of 10. Directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duclan, the creator, and of course Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Jim Mulligan, okay, that's new, Ben Starr, Martin Cohen, and Howard Leeds. No trivia for this one, okay, and of course the episode after that that I'll be covering also in this episode is season four, episode eight, Race with the Eagles. Race with Eagles, which aired on November 17th, 1985. Edward must run up the steps of the Empire State Building for a fundraiser. So this is interesting. We don't really get a whole lot of episodes pertaining to other characters other than Rick. So when we get one about Edward, I remember there was one called Return of the Paisley Experience. Or Conspiracy, I'm sorry. About Edward turning 40 and then wanting to get with his old bandmate. And then they were going to go to her on the road with their Return of the Paisley Conspiracy. Or the Paisley Conspiracy band that they were back in the day. Oh my goodness. Are we getting Uncle Harry again? Ugh, we just got... Is, is this still continuing his visit? Ay ay ay. I thought... Okay, this one's actually got a 7.2, so it's two points higher than the One Strike and You're Out episode with the return of 
Grandfather Stratton. Wow. They're really uh, using John Houseman this season. He's got quite a few episodes. We do. It looks like we do meet a character who will be a new character named Brad in One Strike and You're Out. All right. Who's Michael Sherritt? The kid looks familiar. Have I seen him in anything? Uh, let's see. Joe's World. Never heard of it. St. Elsewhere. Baywatch. Maybe he was a friend of Hobie's. Um, he plays a character named And. Oh, he's in Different Strokes. Cool. Little House on the Prairie. Really? Wow. Okay. So this guys he's done stuff. Good for him. Good for him. Alright, so before I get into the episodes, of course, I'd like to let you know where you can find the podcast on social media, Facebook, at Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast, or you can just type in Silver Spoons podcast. Also, Instagram at Silver Spoons pod. Alright, so let's see what One Strike and You're Out is all about. We got the premise. Grandfather Stratton's got a restaurant, apparently, and, um, I mean, this guy's got everything. He's got that, he's got a flour mill, paper mill, he's got every, every type of business you can think of this guy manages. I'm guessing this, is this gonna be like a teen, like the teen hangout that Lulu kind of bought from that one guy who was retiring, and then somehow Grandfather Stratton, like, bought it from her, like, if she wanted to retire? Because you don't see Lulu ever again. As a series, you know, in season, you don't see her at all in season four, I believe. You don't see her in season five, so. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out, because clearly there are some teenagers that are probably employees at this restaurant that have issues with what they're being, their, their pay wage and all that uh, stuff, so. So, honestly, um, I think that um, I'm taking a break after this month on pretty much most of the podcasts that I do. And for Silver Spoons, I don't think I'm going to be back until, like, June, possibly, just because of, you know, everything happening on the home front and everything, so. But you got, you know, if you want to go back and listen all the way to Season 1, Episode 1, and work your way back up and refresh yourself, familiarize yourself with the episodes, the characters, all that good stuff... While I'm away doing my stuff, also all four seasons of Punky Brewster are also up on the podcast. So if you guys want to peruse through there, you can do that too. Also episodes of Full House are on there. So yeah, plenty, plenty to reoccupy yourself with until I get back. Alright, so we come out of the intro and Edward is putting on like his John Arbuckle hat. You know, the one with the flaps. He's got a heavy coat on and Rick's like, Dad, you don't have to go out there. It's freezing. And Edward's like, well, uh, it, it sounds like a John Wayne expression. Well, a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. And, of course, Rick hands him... It almost looks like one of those um, serving tray, like if you're gonna serve someone like breakfast in bed or something, and then it's got uh, a, like a metal cover on it which I'm guessing it it looks like it could be like a ham or a roast I guess he's gonna grill outside in the winter which I mean people do people do grill in the winter not uncommon so Kate comes out of the library and looks at Edward with his uh, John Arbuckle you know furry flap hat it's like oh are you dressing for dinner 
And Rick's like, Kate, why don't you take a break? I mean, Grandfather's coming over later. And she tells him that she can't because she wants to finish the presentation on... Well, it looks like they're still making toys at Eddie's Toys. Um, there's... It's like Wanda the workout doll or something like that. And it's like, what? Didn't Barbie have a workout video at one point in time? I swear she must have. I mean, I never worked out to Barbie, but, uh... There is something called Dance Workout with Barbie that came out in 1992. So, oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt apparently was in this. Interesting. Oh, and Rick's like, oh, okay, I know what this this workout doll with the little teeny tiny barbells where he takes his thumb and index finger. He's pretending he's like working out with itty bitty Barbie sized dumbbells. <laughs> he's like, err, err, err. So Kate just heads into the office, but before she does, she's like, oh, well, let me know when the Ryan girl gets here. I'm like, Ryan girl? Is there a girl named Ryan? And no, apparently it's a company that sends out temporary secretaries. You know, because Kate's like VP of the company of Eddie Toys, so they gotta have someone else do all the, uh, the other work that Kate used to do back in season one. The doorbell rings, it's a Ryan girl, but it turns out it's actually a guy. And <laughs> Rick is surprised, like, you're a Ryan girl? Like a secretary? And of course, the guy's like, yeah, we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> like, okay. So Edward, of course, introduces Rick, and Edward is still holding. It's actually a rump roast. Okay, I thought it was a ham, but it's uncooked, so... You could see my confusion here. I mean, I thought it would have been, like, a ground beef in the shape of, like, meatloaf, but it's not. I think the guy's name is James. I was looking it up in the uh, IMDb, and the guy's like, oh, that looks great, but I'm a vegetarian. And I'm like, who asked you or invited you if you were staying for dinner? So I recalls to Kate, like, your Ryan person is here. This guy kind of get a crush on Kate. I don't know why, but I just see my mind. I just see it going there. Uh, I don't know. This guy is a flirt. Because Kate's like, well, it's going to be, you know, working on late night tonight. And the guy's like, well, late night's my middle name. I changed it from Gunther or something. If I were, I were I'm like, here, Rick, you take care of the roast. And I, I'm sure he trusts his wife. I mean, my goodness. Doesn't exactly help that Rick's like, gee, I don't know about that, Dad. Uh-huh. Yeah, now you're, like, making little doubts in Edward's mind. Now you're vocalizing those doubts. So that's, yeah, great, Rick. I'm gonna play this clip. Like, dude, I mean, I just voiced an opinion, but now he's, like, vocalizing, like, making it. Edward probably thought for a split second, he's like, no, I trust my wife. Now he's got his... 15 year old son like dad I, I i wouldn't trust i mean that that guy i mean and 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 kate i mean i trust kate and i love kate but this a male secretary oh they're working late uh-huh yeah looks great but i'm a vegetarian ah kate kate this is james you're ryan person very nice to meet you nice. why don't you come into the library I'm afraid we're going to be working late tonight. Hey, hard work's my middle name. I changed it from Gunther. <laughs> I don't know about that, Dad. A male secretary? 
What? Doesn't it bother you? Oh, come on, Rick. This is the 1980s. My consciousness has been raised. What do you take me for, some kind of a caveman? I'm sorry. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll slap this raw meat on the open fire. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, great. So my guess is this thing is going to be like a plot B. Because I thought the whole plot of the episode is the whole thing with the um, the restaurant and the kids' teenagers were employees feeling like they're not being paid their fair wage. So this is where we meet Brad, we got Alfonso, and some guy in the back who looks like Lucas Scott, Chad Michael Murray, even though it isn't because this is like 1985. <laughs> They work at like a chicken shack or they got like red and yellow like the the brim of the it just looks like um what's the word I'm looking for you know, the paper hats that you'd see like in the 70s you know those type of waiter people diner host whatever those type of things what apparently Alfonso let the other boys know that Rick's grandfather's coming over for dinner, so Alfonso's like, hey, Brad and whoever the hell heck this random other employee is, let's go over there and tell how we're being paid unfairly or being ripped off, because they don't got a lot of time, they're on their lunch break. Where is this restaurant? For one thing, I only would get like 10, 15 minute breaks. That didn't give me time to rush home or rush to somewhere and voice my opinions. I'm sure there are um, suggestion boxes that you could make your complaints in. This guy ain't gonna listen to you, kids. Since when does Alfonso have a job? Big enchilada restaurants is what uh, Rick's grandfather owns. So Brad's like, Alfonso, tell him what... Okay, so they do week were uh the big enchilada, which is what Grandfather Stratton owns. Okay, I thought he was owning like a competitor's restaurant, and they were like driving, you know, the restaurant that Alfonso and Brad and whoever the other guy is out of business. But no, apparently they the guy cut their wages, and now they're working for next to nothing. Which, I I don't even know what the wages would be in 1985. Like a buck? Maybe a couple bucks tops? When I started working back in 1998, I think my wage was like five fifteen an hour. I mean, those kids aren't getting... They're lucky if they're even getting half that. But the guy who's... Okay, I gotta find out this dud's name. What's this guy's name? I can't call him, like... The Lucas Scott look-alike, or the Chad Michael Murray look-alike. This guy's got a name, and I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna have something to refer to this dude as. Let's see, Alfonso. Um, okay, Andy. His name is Andy. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Oops. Okay. So let's listen to these grievances that these boys have. It's like, dude, you come up into my house, you should complain about my grandfather saying he's ripping you off. Like, who do you think you are? And Alfonso's supposed to be Rick's friend. It's like, why are you bringing the complaints to me? I have no... I can't do anything about it. 
I'm not your employer. You want to take it up, you take it up with your the owner or your boss or whatever. Don't bring it to the grandson and say, hey, fix this problem because you're my best friend and your grandfather's my boss. Hey, guys, how you doing? Okay, Stratton, did you tell Alfonso that your grandfather's coming over for dinner tonight? Yeah, he slowed mm -hmm. down. What's up? Well, we haven't much time. We're on a meal break. Tell him, Alfonso. Your grandfather. Your grandfather's ripping us off. Yeah. Hey, whoa, what are you talking about? Well, uh, he owns a big enchilada restaurants, right? Well, I don't know. So what if he does? Alfonso, tell Stratton here what his grandfather's doing to us. Your grandfather. Your grandfather, for no reason at all, cut our wages, and now we're working for practically nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's found some loophole that lets him pay students less than minimum. Yeah. It's not fair. We work our burritos off for him. Yeah. <laughs> Look, guys, this, this is a mistake, that's all. My grandfather owns tons of companies. He probably doesn't even know he owns the big enchilada. Yeah. <laughs> so you think if he uh, found out about this he'd straighten it out yes of course good then you'll tell him you want a 15 year old guy to tell a billionaire how to run his business yeah all right if you don't care about friendship truth and justice who why don't you throw are you kid i've never seen you before in my life <laughs> okay i was going to use the extra money to buy my mom an apple pie oh, Just looked it up. This new character, Brad, this is his first appearance. He's played by Billy Jane. J-Y-N-E. And he actually, if you've seen um, the 1983 Stephen King movie based on the novel Cujo, he plays Brett. So that's where I know him from. As far as anything else, I really... Oh, he was... um. Mikey Randall in Parker Lewis Can't Lose. I watched a lot of Fox in the mid-90s before I eventually got cable in the late 90s. So, yeah. But I was like, dude, the, the other guy, what's his name? Andy? When, how long has this dude been? I've never seen his face before in my life. Yeah, this Brad and this Andy, like, hey, we're your friends. Talk to your billionaire grandfather for us. It's like, seriously? I need to see if this kid's been in um, another episode of So. No, he's only in this episode. Uh huh. And Rick even says, it's like, look, my grandfather owns a lot of companies. He more than likely doesn't even know that he owns the company you work for. Basically, he's got his hands and his feet and his fingers all in a bunch of different companies. He's, yeah. Rick says, look, I'll, I'll see what I can do. They're all like, thanks, Rick. And even Brad's like, I can't believe you would do that to a best friend that you wouldn't talk to your grandfather before he finally agrees. And I'm like, best friend or friend? I've never seen you before in my life. I haven't seen the other one either. But let's move on. Looks like Edward's come back in from putting the rump roast on the grill. I'm sure he worked out his frustrations pounding it with a little meat mallet. So, Edward noticed that uh, Alfonso and Brad and Andy all drop by. Like, hey, what'd your friends want, Rick? And Rick says, well, 
they work for a restaurant that grandfather owns, and I guess they're having issues with their wages wages being cut. Oh, and because they think the reason is because their wages were cut were since they're students, they can work for half that price. Well, if they're students and they're below a certain age, you only get, you can only work like, what, maybe 10, 15 hours, if that. Unless it's something that was later put into effect years down the road. But I swear that even if you're in high school and you're working, you have to have like a, a school to work permit or something to that effect that your employer and your school have to fill out. Like you're only by law allowed to work like 10 to 15 hours a week says, yeah, I promised I'd talk to Grandfather about getting them a raise. And Edward just laughs in his face. Well, I hope you told him to forget it. Like, you know your grandfather, Rick. He's not going to bend over backwards for these kids that he doesn't know. And the employees, you know. Like you said, he probably doesn't even know that he owns the big enchilada restaurant. So Rick's like, oh, you know, Grandfather can be reasonable. And, of course, Edward's taken off his winter coat and says, oh, you think so, huh? Well, here, let me tell you a story. Um, Grandfather loaned me money once. When I couldn't pay it back, he repossessed my tricycle. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, come on. Well, Rick, the first thing my father does when he buys a company is burn the suggestion box. X kind of remembers, like, guy, your dad's known your grandfather a lot longer than you have. You might have an in with him because you're the grandson and everything, and he tends to take, you know, your opinions into, you know, consideration on occasion and this and that. But, again, your dad's known him a lot longer and the type of businessman that he is. And, of course, Edward says, you know, when my father buys the company, the first thing he does is burn the suggestion box. Yeah. So Edward tells him, like, hey, look, you, you want to, you know, go ahead with this and, and tell him about the thing, you know, the raise for your friends and all that. It's like, yeah, but he's got to have something in it for him, for him to even consider it being a possibility, which is like, yeah, what is he going to get out of giving those kids a raise? They're going to work harder? They're going to work longer hours? No. They're going to give up their Saturdays or holidays to work? No. What could those kids give Grandfather Stratton that he would even justify giving them a raise? I'll tell you what, not a dang thing. Nothing against teens work, teen workers. Guys, I was a teenage worker. I wasn't always the best teenage worker. There are some good ones out there that, unfortunately, there's some bad apples out there that will put the good ones to shame. It's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's, you know, just sometimes there are businesses out there that won't hire teenagers because they get a bad rap. They're not reliable. They don't come in. They call in. They... Don't take the job seriously and stuff like that. So, yeah, Edward just says, bottom line, just forget it. Just forget this whole thing. If you want to appeal to a sense of fair play, you need to forget this because he is not going to go for it. Oh, boy. <laughs> so Kate comes out of the library and says, oh, Edward, will you tell me when dinner's ready? Because I'll come out and fix a couple plates for James and me. 
Oh boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna get the old uh, jealousy spark uh, moving. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because Edward's like, but James is a vegetarian. And Kate's like, I know. And he's a windsurfer, too. It's like, oh, boy. And James looked to be probably, what, maybe 24, maybe 26. He looked like a young guy, but I don't think Edward has anything to be jealous about. If anything, I think that guy is going to come on to her. It's not going to be the other way around. Just think about how long it took for Edward and Kate to get to be- get together and finally get married. It took them three seasons, guys. Three. I don't think she's going to have a little rendezvous with a 24-year-old Ryan person. If you really want to go ahead with this, you show him what's in it for him. Right, yeah. And if you want to appeal to his sense of fair play... Yeah? Forget fair play. <laughs> oh, Edward, let me know when dinner's ready. I'll come out and fix a couple of plates for James and me. He's a vegetarian. I know, and a windsurfer, too. <laughs> Must be working away in there. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Grandfather. How was your day? It was abominable, thank you. <laughs> Why don't I cheer you up? A barbecue. Oh. Good. <laughs> invited to a weenie roast. Oh. When do we start singing campfire songs? Dad, Dad, look. Oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. He tripped over. Oh, my gosh. He must set the patio on fire. Grandfather. Did you know that you own the big enchilada restaurants? I bought it in May for 54.7 million. We have 56 franchises on the East Coast. It's the home of the Titanic Taco. So you know about it? Yes. Good. Because I was talking to some of the employees who work at the one down the street, and they're not too happy. Indeed. Yeah, they're complaining about the low wages. Who are these people? Yeah. They're my friends, Alfonso, oh. Brad, and Andy. I think you've got a serious morale problem. I'm glad you take such an interest in business. Shows good instincts. Thanks. Can I be sure we'll take care of this thing immediately? Yeah, he's going to fire I all three of understand. those kids. Like... He fired Yes, you? I knew it! Of course he did. old heave-ho. Turn in your burrito badge and adios. Hasta mañana, baby. Oh, this is terrible, guys. I feel awful. I feel like I'm completely responsible. Hey, what a coincidence. So do we. Hey, you take that down. What are you going to do about it, Stratton? Look, th- this was just a mix-up of something, all right? I'm going to straighten this out right now. I hope so. Unemployment isn't good for my yuppie image. You kids can find jobs anywhere. So Grandfather Stratton comes in, and he's like, Oh, I'm pretty despicable. I'm just... You know, he, he's just being himself, basically. And 
of course, Edward's like, well, I hope you're hungry. We got a barbecue going on outside. And uh, of course, <laughs> Grandfather's like, yes. Uh, when do we get to the weenie roast and the campfire songs? Of course, Rick's like, oh my gosh, Dad, look out there. The grill has tipped over, smokes uh, all over, like clouding the patio. I'm like, oh my god. Like, you need to, your patio's going to start out, catch on fire. And that roast is probably falling out of the, because the grill has tipped back. And it's probably falling on the ground. It's probably, uh, maybe he can, he can fix it. So while Edward's out, you know, setting the grill up right and get everything going again, Rick brings up. Like, hey, Grandfather, do you know that you own the big enchilada? And apparently Grandfather bought it in May for $54 million. It's got a bazillion, it's a franchise, so it's got a bazillion locations all over the place. Rick then brings up that uh, your morale isn't so good with the employees. A few of them came to me with um, concerns about their wages. And, of course, Grandfather's like, hmm, really? And who are these people that have come to you with their grievances? And Rick's like, oh, they're my friends. So Grandfather's like, well, give me their names and I'll definitely talk to them. Yeah, he fired them. Of course he fired them. Of course he did. You think that you're going to go to the head of your corporation of your job. You're going to step over who your boss is and go to, like, the, the corporation, the higher-ups. You think you're not going to get talked to? You're not going to get fired? Like, oh, especially when it comes to we want a higher wage? Goodbye. Goodbye. And then these kids come and they're like, oh, well, he fired us. And Rick's like, well, gosh, I'm sorry. It feels like my fault. And, of course, Fred's like, well, yeah, it kind of is. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's yours. You never should have come to Rick with this problem. Because now you're pulling him into the whole mix because it's his grandfather. Like, oh, this will be an easy fix for us because it's Rick's grandfather who owns the company. Now you're putting... And I'm appalled at Alfonso because we've known him for over a season now and he's pulling this kind of garbage. Expecting Rick to bend over backwards for him for something like this. Just all of the guys, it's like, they're blaming him, like... And Rick's like, oh, don't worry, let me get on the phone. I'll talk to my grandfather. I'm sure it's a big misunderstanding. It's like, you guys, you kids, because Alfonso's like, oh, unemployment just isn't, isn't good for me. Like, you're 16 years old. You can get a job anywhere. Go down the street. There's a McDonald's, a Burger King, a KFC, whatever. Taco Bell, if you still want to stick with the, uh, the, the Mexican food industry. But give me a break. Oh yeah, hey, we get to see Grandfather Stratton in his limousine with his car phone in 1985. The Rick's like, Grandfather, I can't believe you fired those guys. How could you do that? And of course, Grandfather's like, well, it was easy. I put a pink slip in their pay envelope. Rick's like, they're my friends. So what? So what? That doesn't mean anything to him. He is a businessman. Just because you're his grandson and you have a way with him, a repertoire, if you will, doesn't mean he's going to bend over backwards just because, oh, they're my friends. You should rehire them. Were they good workers? 
Well, they might have been until they started, like, complaining about wages. So, Grandfather doesn't care about Rick's little sob story that he's going to bat for his friends. He just says, you know what, you better find new friends. Friends with jobs. Like, I don't have to concern myself. I did what I did, it's done. So, son, (laughs) I got many businesses to run. Good day to you. Good day to you. I need the money, Grandfather. For what, college? Maybe? Um, to buy a car? You know, and the amount of time that they harp on this, this one job that they've now been fired from, they can walk down the street and get an application to Mickey D's or BK or TB or Wendy's and they could already be working another job and starting another wage. Maybe a higher paying wage, who knows? Except I'm with Grandfather Stratton 100%. And he's like, you know what? Well, they should have thought of that before they started complaining. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. He's got a, uh, as I said to Harry Truman, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. That is a saying. I know that is a saying. I'm going to play this clip. Because Grandfather Stratton is like, grandson, I'm sorry. But, uh, uh, well, more like sorry, not sorry. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Hi, Grandfather. It's Rick. I can't believe you fired those guys. How could you do that? Easy. Put a pink slip in that pay envelope. (laughs) They're my friends. You better find new friends. Friends who have jobs. (laughs) That's not funny. You know, they worked hard for you, and they need the money, Grandfather. Well, they should have thought of that before they started complaining. Like I said to Harry Truman, <laughs> if you can't take the heat, get out of my kitchen. Another call on the other line. Bye. Bye. Yep. Well, that's, that's wonderful, Grandfather. Thanks a lot now. What do you say? Do we get our jobs back? No. Let's just say we have our work cut out for us. So, while Grandfather Stratton ends the call to take another call, Rick just says, hey, look, looks like we got our job, our, <laughs> we got our uh, work cut out for us. Now they're going to, they're going to pick it, basically. One sign says, pass this taco by. Rick, you don't even work for that company. Get out of there. This is clearly, like, this has got to be around, like, the set where they film or outside or something. Because there's this big gate where, like, and there's a guard, like, not a guard tower, but a guard station. Like, wow. We see a couple other kids that we didn't see with Alfonso and uh, Brad and Andy. You see, the kids are all bundled up because it's cold. I wonder if that guy's got a little space heater because he's, like, looking out of his little, uh, guard station. Like, what's going on here? There's a cute girl walks by and they're all like, ooh. They all (laughs) set the signs down and go over that cute girl. Oh, my gosh. I noticed that, um, this season we're getting, even in the the, uh, other season, we're getting, like, 
No, actually, no, it was this season, season four. Some of the songs were inter- instrumental, and I'm like, I recognize these songs. And one of which I had to look up, like, I know the song. What's it called? Money for Nothing by Dire Straits While They're Out Picketing. It's like, I knew that instrumental. Like, I knew that. I knew that song. There's another um, episode on this disc. Actually, the episodes on these discs, at least for season four, are like, so far all out of I had to actually go through and go through IMDb and like okay what's this because you know that I don't watch the episode prior to reviewing it for the podcast so it's like okay I got by because it does have like a chapter breakdown so you see images of the episode and I'm just basically trying to go for what's this episode based on what the episode title is on IMDb and the episode description so Apparently, now the little mini montage here has ended, and we're in the kitchen. It looks gorgeous, of course, since Kate had it already done. And Edward is proudly holding the big enchilada unfair, a picket sign. So I guess he has history of picketing for past jobs. He's not, he doesn't seem angry. He seems, like, proud of his son. 1968 was when he uh, last saw a picket sign. And Rick's like, oh, did you ever picket grandfather? And Edward's like, oh, no, no. I just preferred easier targets like the Pentagon. Okay. So Rick's dissing his grandfather. Like, how can someone who's so rich be such a tightwad? And Edward's like, well, it actually goes back to your grandfather's father. I guess that's kind of who, because I remember in season one, we heard about grandfather's father, Eddie, who Edward is named after, Edward Stratton the third, and he kind of says how, you know, grandpa loved to have fun with money and everything. That's probably why, how Edward was easily, you know, I shouldn't say influenced, but he just kind of like got a lot of its fun-loving ways from his his grandfather, not his father. So yeah, he's just like yeah, he had, he traveled, he had parties. He was just such a cool guy. So I'm gonna play this clip. Boy, I haven't held one of these babies since 1968. You ever pick a grandfather? No, no, I preferred easier targets like the Pentagon. <laughs> How can a man who's so rich be such a tightwad? I think it goes back to his father, Grandpa Eddie. To love to have fun, travel, had parties, spent money almost as fast as he made it. Sounds like a blast. Was until they went bankrupt and they came and took away your grandfather's pony. Grandfather had a pony. Name was Patches. <laughs> he named a communication satellite after it. I never knew grandfather could be so sentimental. He vowed that never again would anybody take anything away from him. Oh. Dad, my friends want to raise, not his pony. We're just going to have to keep picketing until he gives in. You sure you don't want me to talk to your grandfather for you? No, Dad. I want to do this on myself. Hey, Rick. Yeah? I'm proud of you. I take after my dad. Aw, adorable. I'm sure glad you didn't turn into a cheapskate. You should be. I went out today and splurged on these. Ooh. How did you know I wanted to go to the Linda Ronstadt concert? Oh, thank Linda you. Linda Ronstadt. Oh. oh, no. These are for tomorrow. 
tomorrow night. No. I'm meeting the buyers from Toy City. I thought that was next week. Can't you cancel it? Oh, I wish I could, but they're flying in from Seattle. James is picking him up at the airport. James, the windsurfing vegetarian? Hey, I thought he was a temporary. He is, but I needed someone to drive him to the hotel. Hotel? Yeah, well, we're having dinner. Wait, wait a minute. James is in on this dinner? Edward, does my having a male secretary bother you? Yeah, right. Oh, no, don't you be know silly. You know it does. I mean, because uh, if it does, I can just call the agency and have them send me another tip. A sweet old lady? Well, sweet old lady is a lot more reliable. So it does bother you? Of course it yes. does. Yes. But it bothers me that it bothers me because it shouldn't bother me. <laughs> Listen, if it's a problem... No, no, Kate, I should be able to handle this. After all, not every boss and secretary get romantically involved. Even though we did. So, we got a little insight into why Grandfather Stratton is such a... Not so much just a tight wad, but his overall personality, his... Father was pretty loose with his money until, you know, had parties, spent money faster than he made it, and when they repossessed, um, Edward's father, you know, grandfather's pony when grandfather was just a wee little lad, that's when things changed. He vowed, grandfather threatened it, that... Never again would anybody take anything away from him. And that's why he most likely came to loathe his father in his freewheeling ways and just spend, spend, spend until it gets taken from you. And especially you don't take... <laughs> and Rick's even like, it's like my friends just want, you know, a raise. They don't want to take his pony, name, whose name was Patches. Cute, cute. Um, <laughs> but we... We learned a lesson, you know. We learned, got a little more insight. We knew in season one that Grandfather Stratton was not a fan of his father, Eddie, because of how he lived his life and spent his money. So, Rick is just going to continue with the picketing, and Edward says, well, I'm proud of you. And it's funny because Rick's doing this for his friends. He's not doing it so much for himself, and I guess in a way, if you think about it, it's probably the principle of the thing. He feels his friends need to be paid a fair wage, regardless of their age. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Rick, what is he really getting out of this other than his grandfather to treat his workers with respect and pay them a fair if you even want to call it a, liv a livable wage, but these kids all live with their parents. I mean, if anything, if they're saving for a car, maybe they're going to save for college. Who knows? Alfonso even said, I need to keep up with my yuppie lifestyle. So, <laughs> yeah. Edward even tells Rick that he's proud of him for what he's doing and how he's, you know, sticking with helping his friends and everything to do the right thing. And... Then Edward gets tickets for Kate to Linda Ronstadt, which she loves. However, it's for tomorrow night. And she can't go because she's meeting with um, some investors of the doll that she wants to put out for um, the Eddie Toys Company. And since James is going to be there, you know, he's getting like the, the hotel and driving the people from the airport. They're coming in from like Seattle. 
So, of course, at the ding, ding, ding hotel, Edward's like, wait, 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 wait. James is in on this whole thing. And you know Kate's picking up on Edward's getting a little jelly here. And he says, I really shouldn't be because I promise I really wouldn't be that kind of guy. Because he knows he has nothing to worry about. He trusts his wife. And she's like, you know, if you want, I can call the agency. I mean, if you don't like me having a male secretary that can get me some sweet old lady. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. So hopefully he can get her a, you know, maybe, maybe Linda Rodstan's got some other tour dates later on that they can go to. So this is clearly plot B. I'd like to see how this is, you know, finished up. And it's kind of funny because Edward mentions about how, you know, I shouldn't have a problem with a employee and a secretary, although that's how we got together. So, yeah, he, 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 he's working. He, he's dealing with it, basically. Like, I'm not going to be angry, but I'll deal with it. And it seems like James is being a proper employee. I mean, you don't hear about him hitting on Kate. I mean, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but, you know, she she's just impressed. Like, the guy's vegetarian. He's a windserver, but she's not romantically interested in him. So the doorbell rings. Rick gets it, and it's grandfather. He has come there on the notion that he was told that there had been picketers outside of Stratton Industries. Well, that must have been after we left. I'm going to play this clip because this looks like... uh, (laughs) Grandfather's not going to be a little too happy with him. Not to mention, what does Rick really have to gain from any of this? He's not an employee, so it doesn't affect him other than the fact that he's going to lose his friends if he doesn't help them. I got it. Hi, Grandfather. Come on in. No, thank you. I'm informed that a troop of rowdy anarchists picketed Stratton Industries this afternoon. Well... That must have been after we left. Don't take this lightly, Richard. You have broken the Stratton Code of Honor. What Uh-oh. code is that? Never to take sides against me. <laughs> Even if you're wrong? I have never been wrong. But what happens if I don't agree with you? You just keep quiet till I get a chance to straighten you out. <laughs> I can't do that. You see, I think my friend's right. I just can't walk away from this. Till you come to your senses, you are no longer my grandson. Oh. oh, grandfather. Call me Mr. Stratton. Okay, if that's how you want it, fine. Mr. Stratton. So, grandfather tells Rick that he has broken the Stratton Code of Honor. Basically, that means never take sides against your grandfather. Well, I love that he can just make up rules that he pretty much expects his son and grandson to obey. Like, no, no, you can't have your own opinion. My opinion is the only opinion. And Rick stands his ground. It's like, well, I can't go along with that because you're wrong. And grandfather's like, well, I'm never wrong. And Rick says, sir, I, I, got, I think my friends are right. So Grandfather says, well, then I guess you're no longer my grandson then. Like, ugh. 
Oh, yeah. And, and Rick's like, well, what if I don't agree with you? And Grandfather says, well, just keep quiet until I have a chance to straighten you out. So basically, his word is law. You disagree with that, you're out of the family, pretty much. It's like, Grandfather, seriously? <laughs> and and eh, Grandfather's like, you may refer to me as Mr. Stratton. Good day to you. And he just leaves. If I've said this before, I'm saying it again. I am tired of these bumpers. They were cute in the first episode, but I am over them. They are taking up too much precious time from the episode. We didn't get to see how that rump roast turned out. I kind of wanted to see how that how that turned out. Oh my goodness. So, oh, um, this is an interesting vantage point in the living room here. Oh, that's a little table where the phone is. Okay. Any, anyway, anyway. Um, so Rick is trying to get through to his grandfather, and he's putting on an accent. Have has anyone? Have any of you ever tried to do that, where you call someone up and you get hung up on, or maybe you like call one of those numbers that you got to talk to, you know, like a customer service line or whatever. And then you're like, oh, shoot. And then you try to, like, play it off like you have an accent or something to pretend you're someone else. So, of course, while Rick is on the phone uh, impersonating an accent, trying to get a hold of his grandfather, Edward just happens to come into the room like, okay. With a raised eyebrow, like, okay, interesting. Why is my father not talking to my son? (laughs) Rick pretends to be the ambassador from Punjab or something. Uh, apparently Rick's called several times because Rick's like, yeah, this is Rick again. Can you please just put me through? And Rick is just trying to reason with his grandfather. He's like, hi, this is Rick Stratton, your grandson. And then, of course, his grandfather hangs up on him. Like, hello? Hello? Shoot. Yes. (laughs) Could you please put Mr. Stratton on the line? (laughs) It's the ambassador from the phone job. Yes, this is Rick again. Can you please put me through? Hi, Grandfather. It's Rick. Rick Stratton, your grandson. Hello? Hello? Still no luck, huh? I'm making progress. This time I got seven words out. I'm sorry, son. I thought he loved me, Dad. He does love you. But he loves getting his own way, too. Well, I'm not going to let him shut me out, Dad. I've got to do something to grab his attention. I think that's what set him off in the first place, grabbing his attention. Hey, that's a great idea. So, Rick's thinking of something to get his grandfather's attention, and Edward's like, well, you know, I think... That's how you got in the this mess to begin with, by getting his attention. So Rick's like thinking, all right, that's it. I know a way to get through to him. I'm going to pick it. And he's got a sign out there that says Edward Stratton II, unfair to grandson. And unfair is written in capital red lettering. And you see <laughs> a white limousine. So, of course, that's got to be Grandfather Stratton. The door opens. We don't see inside the limousine, but it looks like someone's going to throw something at him. Would he really throw something at his grandson? Oh, actually, it looks like he pulls him inside. (laughs) 
Okay. I want to hear. Let's find out how this conversation goes down. Because we got like 10 minutes left of this episode. So eventually one or both are going to have to actually work this thing out. Because now it went from helping his friends to being thrown out of the family just because he's trying to help his friends. Now it kind of went a little personal. What the devil do you think you're doing? I'm exercising my right as a grandson to picket you. But that is absurd. You cannot picket a person. You can't fire a grandson. I can. I did. Go home. <laughs> I'm not going home. I'm going to keep marching. Or I could take a break. Look, Grandfather, all you've got to do is meet with us for one hour. Are you prepared to apologize? For what? All I do is stand up for my friends and speak up for my beliefs. All I want to do now is get my grandfather back without saying I'm sorry when I don't mean it. He says you have to mean it. <laughs> you always make things so difficult. <laughs> seem to have reached an impasse. Who knows they're going to fight with the door locked? We're going to give you and your fellow malcontents one hour. Well, great. How about tonight at my house? I'm getting soft. Old. I acquiesce much too easily. <laughs> well, the important thing is we're talking. And I'm your grandson again. That remains to be determined. <laughs> Goodbye. Can't you at least give me a ride home? Walk, rabble rouser. <laughs> so grandfather asks Rick what he's doing. And Rick says, I'm exercising my right to picket you. And his grandfather, of course, says, well, you, that's absurd. You can't picket a person. And, of course, Rick comes back with, well, you can't fire a grandson. And Grandfather's like, well, I can, and I did. He just, like, waves him off, like, all right, go home, bye. So Rick's like, no, I'm not going home. I'm going to keep marching until uh, someone uh, sees my sign. So he goes to get out of the limo. And, of course, they get into a little um, lock-unlock war of the doors. (laughs) It's kind of funny. But Rick is able to get his grandfather to agree to talk to the kids, at least, his employees, and listen to what they have to say. So, grandfather, he agrees to it, but he's like, well, I am getting soft at my old age, I guess. So now we head back to the house where Rick, Alfonso, Brad, and Andy are all setting up a table so they can talk to and So Edward's helping the boys set up this table and they want to do like a little practice run through. So Rick's like, all right, dad, you be grandfather. So that way the boys can kind of practice what they want to say. And you know, Edward's known his father longer than Rick. So he probably knows the responses that his father would give to the boys. So yeah. I can imagine this all started out with wanting to earn a fair wage, but I don't want it to be like, oh, we want longer breaks so we can have more than 10 minutes to eat our meal or 
oh, we want a bigger employee discount on food or something like that. You know, if it's one grievance about pay, you know there's going to be other grievances about what if I got to go to the bathroom? Do I have to wait till my break or do I have to take a special break just to go to the bathroom or something? Well, of course, Edward has to get into the persona of his father. With the, you know, the the bottom lip kind of jutted out like, like a like an old bulldog. I gotta say, Joe Higgins does a good impression of John Houseman. He really does. It's funny. Like, yeah, he, he the guy knows his father. He knows how he's gonna respond to this. It's probably good to have a dry run at this before you actually sit down with a real person. And know what will be acceptable to say and what you need to zip your lip about. They already are currently unemployed from the place, so. Ready for the road test? Now, Dad, uh, you be grandfather, okay? All right. <laughs> the lunacy of your demands. is only exceeded by the stupidity of your expectations. Oh, yeah? Whoa! Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that table down. Well, I'm off. Hey. That's his wife, dude! What's wrong with you? You do look gorgeous. Oh, thank you. That is some dress. Something wrong with it? No, no. Just, I always like the turtleneck sweatshirt and the full-length skirt. Edward, there's no need for you to worry about my working late with James. I fired him. Oh, really? You fired him? Look, I, I can't talk right now. I'm late. I've got to go, hon. Well, wait a minute, honey. Yeah, she's going to do uh-huh. Can't put anything over on you, can I? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Says the lunacy of your demands is exceeded by the expectation, your, uh, stu- the stupidity of your expectations. Slams his fist down on that table, and then Rick on the other side slams his fist on the table only for one side of the table to collapse. Like, eeeh. Rick's like, oh yeah, slams his fist down. Well, there goes that leg of the table. <laughs> and he's like, oh. Oh, the other boys like are like, oh, right, yeah. And they all clap. Uh, Kate comes down dressed very nicely in a skirt, a skirt and a red sleeveless top with a blazer to go over it. And she's wearing some jewelry. Brad takes one look. Oh, see, this is why this guy is the freaking... Carbon copy of Derek. And we just met him in this episode. But remember how Derek was all googly-eyed for Kate? Like, every time she walked into a room, he'd always, like, flirt with her. What what did he say? He's, uh, Derek said one time, like, Chicago may be the windy city, but when you leave, it'll be breathless. <laughs> he comes down and says she's off. And then Brad, of course, is like, hey! And Edward is, like, standing right there and, like, looks at him. And I'm like, dude, that is his wife. That's Rick's stepmom. What's wrong with you, you weirdo? 
You're not making a very good impression on me, boy. Second coming of Derek Taylor, you are not. That guy realizes what he said and who she is. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> my hormones got in the way again in my mouth. Well, Edward, of course, goes over to help her with her nice fur coat. Like, wow, that is some dress you're wearing. I'm like, it's a skirt and a top. I wouldn't call that a dress, but whatever. And then he's like, wow, you look more beautiful than you should be for going to a business dinner with this James person. Which I guess, we don't know all the details yet. Maybe she will divulge them later. Because I want to know, because she fired him. I want to know if she fired him so that way Edward would stop being jelly or because he actually did make a pass at her. I want to know the deets. Give me the deets. Finish up with this teenage employee wage thing and then I want to hear the deets between Kate and James. I am invested. I need to, I need closure. Kate, it's like, oh, Ashley's like, wow, that's some dress. She's like, oh, is there something wrong with it? He's like, no, I just picture you more in like, um, a turtleneck sweater skirt combination. (laughs) He says, don't worry, there's no need for you to freak out about me working late with James because I fired him. He's like, oh, you fired him? And she obviously can tell, like, I want to know the details. As I, Angela wants to know the details as well. She pretty much said, you know, I can't get into it right now. I can't tell you the story. Like, later. <laughs> like, you're gonna leave us hanging with that? That you fired him? Okay, let's let's get through this, uh, let's get through this, um, dispute thing. I want closure! I'm gonna be so angry if I don't get it. The grandfather comes in, takes one look at Kate as he takes his head off. He's like, wow, you're going bowling, aren't you? She's like, <laughs> yeah, nothing gets past you. <laughs> right, let's so so let's get some closure on this whole in teenage employee wage dispute and see if Rick will finally be back in his grandfather's good graces and is able to call Grandfather Stratton his grandfather again. She makes me wish I were two years younger. What are you looking so grim about? Well, how would you feel if just caused a man to lose his job and his livelihood and his Look who I'm talking to. Yeah, really. Oh up. In business you let the chips fall where they may. Even if one of the chips is your grandson? He is no longer my grandson. Father, if we're stuck with you. You're stuck with us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, hello, Grandfather. <coughs> Mr. Stratton. <coughs> this is Mr. Spears. And Mr. Hill. I hope that's two fingers. Yeah, really. And this is Mr. Langford. Hey, yo. Yo yourself. Yeah, really. Guys, you can't take this seriously. You need to be formal. You sure looks prepared. So are we. Negotiations can begin. He doesn't look so tough. Well, how old is he anyway? No one knows. <laughs> He's like Esther Burns. No one knows his age. Well, I can tell you one thing. It won't take too long to wear him down. Oh, come the on. The astronomical rise in overhead. <laughs> 4.7 to be exact. 
makes it essential for prudent management to make drastic reductions in the costs of labor. What does all this mean? No. <laughs> Your numbers don't take into consideration the value of employee loyalty. You see, you must treat a worker like Alfonso with respect. He's asleep. Well, Rick's got a point, Father. You know, employee loyalty is important. Thanks, Dad. Loyalty works both ways. That's true. These adolescents come in and out. They're going through a revolving door. That costs me millions in additional training costs. Yep. Got a point, too? Hey, Dad, whose side do you want? Nobody's. Go into the kitchen and get some hot chocolate. Swiss chocolate. It's neutral. <laughs> so it looks like the Alfonso's all like, I'm sure it won't take time to wear him down. And I don't know how much time has passed, but Alfonso's asleep. And of course, grandfather's speaking kind of business jargon that goes way over Brad and Andy's heads. And. Cut out the middleman, basically the answer is no. And one thing, um, a couple things actually that grandfather does bring up that is important. Because Rick's like, well, it should be about employee loyalty. And grandfather's like, well, we I got to take into the effect, the cost of this being a revolving door. It's like, how long are kids going to stick around, right? They're either going to quit because they find a, a position somewhere else. They're going to get fired or they're going to leave for college. And it costs money to then hire another person to take that person's place and train them so they can get up to speed. So, yeah, I can see, you know, is it really justifiable? to? And, and not to mention, how long have these kids actually been working at this company? That's another thing. You think you're getting a raise six months into the job, three months into the job? No. Heck no. And the fact that they went over their manager's head, which he is not their manager. He is like a CEO of that, that company or the, the franchise. That's like you wanting a raise and instead of going to your boss, you're going to go to the head of the company, the CEO, which (laughs) they ain't going to do nothing for you. So while they're deliberating, I think we're finally going to get the closure that we need in regard to Kate firing James. I honestly, like I've said before, I don't know how these episodes end because I've never seen them before. Especially going, you know, four, three, four, five, two, three, four, five. So here's how I think. I think he made a pass at her and she fired him. I don't think she would have just fired him because her husband was jealous that she was working late nights with a 24-year-old man. But I think that he made a pass at her. So I'm going to go with that theory. Oh, hi. Hi. When'd you get home? Just a few minutes ago. Why aren't you in bed? Nobody's in bed. Kate, I want to tell you how terrible I feel about this James business. You shouldn't. No, I should. No, you made a mess. I got jealous you fired him. Edward, I... No, no, wait a minute, Kate, please. Just hear me out. I don't think you need to hear her out. never gave me any reason to feel threatened, and I acted like a schoolboy anyway. (laughs) You're so beautiful. 
I think every man you meet is bound to feel as crazy about you as I do. I'm sorry. I think you should hire James back. No. He made a pass at me. Yes! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! That's why I fired him. Oh, why didn't you tell me? Oh, and ruin that wonderful speech. I freaking had a feeling that was it because I was like, no, no, I think you should hire him back. And she's like, he made a pass at me. Yes, I figured that was why. Now we're going to go. <laughs> the thing about him saying, you know, I just, I love you so much. And just the idea that anyone else would fall for you or be, fall madly in love with you. It's just, it's just. I, but you fell in love with her over a period of time. I don't think someone's going to spend a day working with her and say, God, I love you, after like an hour of working to No. And that James guy, <laughs> you just got fired by the wife of the Eddie Toys. Uh, not to mention her father-in-law, who is a big-time businessman. Good luck finding anywhere else to work because their reputation is going to follow you forever that you can't keep your personal business where it belongs in your pants so <laughs> speaking of um the whole reason this started was because alfonso brad and andy were frustrated by the fact that their wages were cut Apparently they don't care anymore because they, all three of them, are asleep. So the only one who's fighting the good fight on behalf of his friends who are sleeping is Rick. He's the only one who doesn't have really a say in this. He doesn't have anything to lose other than his friends He doesn't who are asleep. He's going to bat for them. So... <laughs> Hope, hope, hope you're happy with them. You guys did not contribute anything. You contributed nothing to this argument that was originally yours. They put Rick in a situation he shouldn't have been in in the first place. Oh, Rick and his grandfather are still going head to head and toe to toe, toe to toe with uh, the demands of um, reinstating that equal pay for the employees. Rick's given the demands. We don't know what they are. He's like, we're not going to come down one red cent. And of course, grandfather's like, look, Rick, I explained to you ad nauseum, which of course, Rick's like, hey, enough of that Latin stuff. <sighs> Let's look up the definition for ad nauseum, shall we? The definition for ad nauseum, referring to something that has been done or repeated so often that has become annoying or tiresome. Yes. Was he basically mentally hitting his grandfather over the head repeatedly with, we want a raise, my, or, my friends want a raise, give them a raise, why can't you give them a raise? Basically, you're trying to wear him down until he just gives up, throws his hands in the air and says, yes, that's not the Stratton way, Rick, you should know that. I ain't gonna fall over backwards for you for, because you're his grandson. I don't know, is he still his grandson yet, or has he not earned that right? the heck late is it? Edward's coming down in his bathrobe. Like, the heck? I'm trying to sleep upstairs or whatever. Or spend quality time with my wife and you guys are still going at this? Go home. You go to bed. You go home. Apparently, Rick hasn't taken into account the stockholders as well and what they get paid. And everything is just... 
he can't just say, yeah, I'll give them a raise or whatever, pay them back to what they are originally. It's a matter of money and, and principle and just all these little pie piece factors that Rick isn't even taking into consideration at all. Rick's like, you're the only stockholder. And of course, grandfather's like, yes, all the more reason. Basically, Grandfather's, like, taking care of the big enchilada, hence pointing to himself. Like, I'm taking care of me and my own. Of course, Alfonso wakes up like, ooh, enchilada? Like, just go back to sleep, Alfonso. Medication, my foot. (laughs) Rick's like, just go to sleep, Alfonso. They're all sleeping. None of them have come forward with any of their personal demands or reasons as, as to why they feel they shouldn't get a pay cut. Or why they should get... or paid what they're supposed to be paid or whatever. Two in the freaking morning? When did these negotiations start? Everett's had enough. He's like, this is ridiculous. It's 2 a.m. You should be in bed. You should be home. And these three should be not here. I'm going to play this clip. Let's just run off the clock. Get this over with. I'm over it. I've been over it. I don't, I don't care anymore. I think it's not so much a matter of helping his friends. I think it's more of a matter of proving that I'm right and you're wrong to his grandfather. Grandfather worries about money. Rick's all about respect and um, dedication. And they're teenagers. (laughs) That is our final offer. We cannot and will not come down one red cent. I have explained to you ad nauseam. Hey. You promised no more of that Latin stuff. (laughs) We must take into account my stockholders. You're the only stockholder. All the more reason. (laughs) Take care of the big enchilada. Enchilada? You want chicken beef or cheese? (laughs) Sleep. Is this dedication or what? This is absurd. It's 2 a.m. You should be in bed. You should be in bed. He is behaving like a pig-headed little brat. And he's acting like a penny-pinching Scrooge. You know what the problem is? You're both exactly alike. Oh, no, No, we're we're not. not. Look at yourselves. recognize a certain lovable bulldog quality that I've always admired in myself. It runs in the family. Well, you showed a lot of guts tonight, my boy. I missed you too, Mr. Stratton. You call me grandfather. Okay, now, can we go to bed? Sure. As soon as we settle this labor dispute. Yes, it was agreed. Only to be grandfather and grandson again. You see, our demands, they still stand. Your demands are impossible. Your attitude is ridiculous. Hold it, hold it, hold it. We settle this right now. Rick, what if your grandfather agrees to pay your friends full minimum wage once they've worked for the company for two months? Three months. One month. Two months, and I'm about to get ugly. Okay. Are you willing to hire everybody back? You want every drop of my blood, do you? 
Is it agreed? It's agreed. Yes! You're a worthy opponent, Richard. Oh, guys, we won. You got your jobs back. Uh, uh, five more minutes, Mom, please. <laughs> well, I've got a breakfast meeting with some Teamsters. Teamsters? That could get pretty nasty. After this, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> So now Rick and Grandfather are practically in each other's, shouting in each other's faces, pointing at each other. He calls Rick a pig-headed little brat. Rick calls him a penny-pinching Scrooge. And of course, Edward's like, you know, you both are right. Eventually they do just hug it out and they're like, hey, we're going to be grandson and grandfather again. However, there's still the matter of the dispute of the wage for his friend, fair wage for his friends. And Edward's like, hey, all right, let's just settle this. How about two months? We, uh, grandfather, if he agrees to pay his Rick's friends full minimum wage once they work their two months. And grandfather's like, Three months. Yeah, 90 days. If I mean, my God, how do you even know they're even going to stay there for two months? I ain't promise you a full wage just to have you duck out on me two months down the road. I'd be like, yeah, three months. Let's look over how you've done, give you a little 90-day re- review, and then from there you go six months and then a full year, and then you can decide... It's like, put in the dedication. I get they're teenagers, but you got to work for that wage and really work. As in, don't call in, don't show up late, don't make excuses why you can't do your job. Father agrees to two months. And Rick's like, hey guys, guess what? I got you a fair wage. My father's got a meeting with some bigwigs in the morning that he wants to get home and get some rest for. A corporation that are, has some other form of a dispute. And he's like, well, after this whole delegation between us, this other thing should be basically a cakewalk. And that's the episode. Um, I thought it was okay, this episode. I, I could say, I guess I, I liked it a bit more than The Trouble with Harry. I think just for plot B with the whole thing with Kate and um, the younger secretary guy, I kind of like that kind of helped bump it up a little better to than the last episode, The Trouble with Harry. So I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give it an average three out of five trains. So I liked Rick, you know, helping out his friends, even though this really had nothing to do with him other than the fact that his grandfather owned the company that his friends worked for. And Rick worked through, you know, he helped the kids, their, his friends pick it, and he stood by them even though they fell asleep to get them fair wages. And just, you know, Kate, I figured that the guy had made a pass at her, that's why she had fired him. But I'm just, I'm taking a couple points off. One for just the fact that these kids came to Rick thinking he'd be able to help them just because his grandfather worked, you know, they work for his grandfather's company. Just like, come on. And they're so angry. I'm like, oh, you couldn't fix our problem for us? And Alfonso with us, I need to keep up with a yuppie lifestyle. You're like 15. You don't, 
need a yuppie lifestyle at 15 or at any age. That was the big thing in the 80s was the yuppies with the money that they spend on things that they really don't need. So um, the silver spoonful for this episode is just going to be if you want something, if you feel like you're being treated unfairly in work practices, then go to your manager. If that doesn't work, then go to a higher up. But go through the manager first. But don't go into a job and just think after a few weeks or a month that you're just going to be getting a raise. Like, if you want a raise bad enough, you will work for it. Show you're dedicated. Show you're responsible. Show up. Be dependable. And hopefully your employer will see that. So apparently when Edward's like, oh, well, after two months, after your friends have been there for two months, they can get full wages. How long have they been there? Two weeks? Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to the next episode. Season four, episode eight, entitled Race with Eagles, which aired on November 17th, 1985. Edward must run up the steps of the Empire State Building for a fundraiser. This has got 7.2. What did the last one had? A 7.2. Zero. So this next one's got two points higher. All right, cool, cool. Writers D. Uh, Jack. Sh- uh, I can't talk. <laughs> Director Jack Shea. Writers David W. Duclin, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Linwood Boomer. Oh, Little House on the Prairie. He played Adam Kendall. That was um, Mary Ingalls' husband. Didn't he also create Malcolm in the Middle? I think he might have. What did he write? Let's see what he wrote for. Malcolm in the Middle. He was the the creator. Third Rock from the Sun. Wrote a couple episodes. The Boys Are Back. What in the world is this thing? I don't know any of those people. Okay. Let's see. Flying Blunt. Night Court wrote seven episodes. Six episodes of Silver Spoons. Um, let's see, Race with the Eagles, One for the Road, Part 2, so someone wrote Part 1, A Family Affair, oh god, uh, let's see, Season 5, Lost and Found, The Live-In, Man to Man, what's this one, Stratton's hire a housekeeper who thinks Edward is in love with him when it's actually Rick who's attracted to her, um, that is a, just, the, I think someone who wrote the summary just, mixed up their words um what's this other one here season five the lost or lost and found what's the kate's grandmother visits the strands you know she has more family visiting than edward has family that's alive <laughs> i'm serious <laughs> we only see one person in his family that comes to visit and that's his grandfather because he lives in the same state and he's the only other than his son Rick that's the only DNA he's got currently walking on the earth so without further ado let's jump into this episode I really think I think I'm going to like Race with Eagles better than um, One Strike and You're Out I hope that Edward's been in practice for this thing. Like, he's known about it for a while because his legs are gonna be down. I want to see how many steps does the Empire State Building have. Okay, the Empire State Building is 1,860 steps from street level to the 102nd floor. Oh, boy. If you are not fit. (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> this is funny. If you are not fit and just an average college person from 18 to 25, it may take you 40 minutes if you can climb 10 flights of stairs in two minutes, take a two-minute break, and then continue. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, hold on. What's the, Okay, what is the number of steps to the top of the Empire The Empire State Building run-up... The world's first and most famous tower race challenges runners from around the globe to race up its framed 86 flights, 1,576 stairs. Okay, so we've gotten more stairs over the course of the time. Okay. While visitors whew, excuse me, can reach the building's observatory via elevator in under a minute, the fastest runners cover the 86 floors in about 10 minutes. Let's see. How much does Empire State Building weigh in pounds? Building weighs in at 730 billion pounds. That is 365 tons. 10 million bricks went into building the Empire State Building. Wow. Is the Empire State Building bigger than the Eiffel Tower? Eiffel Tower is the Empire State Building after taxes was supposedly said by you. Blah, 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 blah. No, I'm just asking a simple... This person's asking a question and you're going into taxes. What? Hey, hey, hey. How heavy is it? <laughs> we already talked about that. <laughs> oh, God. Alright, let's get into this episode. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so we come out of the intro, we got... Alfonso and Rick studying biology, and Rick is showing Alfonso a picture of a heart in a jar. Ew. And Alfonso's, gosh, I hate biology. They always show you people with their skin off. Well, and of course, Rick brings up cardiovascular cardiovascular disease. Hmm, is this going to come up later? Does Edward have cardiovascular disease? I don't know. But the fact that they're bringing it up and in this episode has to do with Edward running up the Empire State Building's stairs for a charity. Hmm. Sounds like a red flag to me. Rick then lists the symptoms of the disease. Or how you can prevent from getting it is if you don't smoke, eat right, and get plenty of exercise. Well, Edward doesn't smoke that we know of. As far as the exercise, we've seen him on, you know, try out different um, exercise equipments for past episodes. Like the season one, uh, four episode one, Head Over Heels, he was testing out equipment, exercise equipment that had a computer attached to it. Oh, watch your weight, don't smoke, and get plenty of exercise. Dexter's like, well, my uncle does that. And Rick's like, yeah, well, so does my dad. Apparently, Edward hates exercise. Unless, you know, he's probably got to try something out for a client. Who doesn't like it? I'm not a fan of exercising. And he lives by the theory, the less you use your body, the longer it will last. Oh, now we see Edward and Dexter lugging it in... What was current for the times, what we now in 2020 refer to as a standard deaf television. You know the big heavy ones that are encased in wood? Yeah. That's why they have dolly carts for you to put that stuff on. I take it they're going to probably put it on that table right next to them. 
both Dexter and Edward are looking at TV. And, and I bet if they put it on that side table there, that table is going to collapse underneath the weight. They put it on the floor. So they put the TV on the floor and Dexter's like, Edward, I thought you want the TV upstairs. And Edward's like, oh yeah, I mean, I did. But now that I think about it, it goes great right here on the floor. Rick and Alfonso come up like, hey, you guys need some help? Dexter, of course, doesn't want to be shown up by a couple teenagers. You know, he doesn't want to be like, oh, 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 I can't lift this TV. No, we'll take it upstairs. Yeah, and then Edward's going to develop a hernia. The last time he was in the hospital with an appendicitis, we don't need to see that again. I'm going to play the clip where Rick is reading out of the biology book about coronary heart disease. I hate biology. They're always showing you pictures of people with their skins off. <laughs> That's bad. Take a look at this heart in a jar. Yuck. <laughs> it says here this is an example of cardiovascular disease. It says this disease is easy to prevent if you watch your weight, don't smoke, and get plenty of exercise. My Uncle Dexter does all those things. My dad does too. Except he hates exercise. You see, he's got this theory. The less you use your body, the longer it's going to last. <laughs> Put it down, put it down, put it down, put it I thought you wanted this upstairs. I did. But you know, I think it looks perfect right there. Need any help? Well, now that you mention it. Well, no, there's nothing to it. Shall we? How come you always give me the heavy end? Do you see what I mean? Dexter was hardly breathing. My dad was puffing away like a steam engine. Don't judge anybody by my uncle. He's a fanatic. He's training for the race with eagles. Race with eagles? What's that? Next month, they're having a race up the steps of the Empire State Building. 86 stories. Why? <laughs> to raise money. It's to preserve eagles. And kill people? <laughs> I hope not. He's making me run with him. Oh, God. The two of you running together? Hey, wait a minute. Maybe I can get my dad to exercise that way. Alright, so this is the first mention that we get of the Race with Eagles, which is a charity thing that helps save eagles. Dexter's having Alfonso run up 86 stories of the Empire State Building. Good grief! You better be, he better be training for that. You can't just go up there willy-nilly think you're going to do it and not having ran and trained. Training by going up steps. So, Rick's like, hey, maybe I should, like, see if my dad wants to do that. I could even do... Yeah. No way is he going to want to do it. Because the episode description on IMDb says Edward does this for a charity. Oh, of course, Rick wants to start out with, it. oh, you love birds, don't you, Dad? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I love birds, sure. <laughs> Rick tries another tactic. Trevor's uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, I love birds, except for one after I get my car washed. And Rick's like, well, what about the bold ego? eagle? Would you like for him to go extinct like the hula hoop? <laughs> okay. And Edward's like, well, I mean, I guess I care about our, you know, country's national emblem. And Rick's like, that's awesome. So then you'll do it. You'll raise money for the bald eagle and a charity by running up the stairs of the Empire State Building? Like, <laughs> wow, he just, he... <laughs> All that expedition, exposition in one breath. Whew. 
the look on Edward's face is like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? What would ever get... You just said your dad hates exercise. You think he wants to do this to save some birds? No. No. He doesn't have to impress Kate because she's married to him. Of course, Edward's like, well, couldn't I just send them a check? Even calls us, here's a chance to do something patriotic for your country. There are so many other things you could be doing to be patriotic for your country. Showing you care about the bald eagle by running up a, a thousand, fifteen hundred steps? That's a bit much. I mean, if you want to, sure. I mean, if you've trained for it, sure. So, a lot of bird puns here, like kill two birds with one stone when Rick's like, oh, it could also be beneficial for you. So, Edward's finally like, okay, what am I going to get out of doing this? Get in shape. Wow. Yeah. Um, you just said your dad hates to exercise. This, no thank you, bye. In shape in what way? That you're not overweight? Holy moo, he just, <laughs> what, what? Does he not have any bones in the top of his thumb? He, like, turned it, like, all the way back. I mean, the tip of his thumb. That's not even a hitchhiker's thumb. That's a... Something happened and you broke the bones in the top of your thumb or something. That's not normal. That's that's like that trick where you take your, your, your thumb and you, like... Do the magic trick, like, oh, I'm missing part of my thumb. It's it's freaky. It's it's really freaky. Rick's like, hey, Dad, look, the race is in a month, right? I will help you get in shape. Yeah, right. You'll be there doing it for a day. And you're like, yo, Dad, I got other things I could be focusing on. Or, you know what? I don't want to do this. Yes, he's going to use his soccer training, the one sport we've never seen him play, along with football from season two that we've never seen him play, or basketball for that matter. Oh, that's right, when he was a freshman in high school, because he's like, what, a sophomore now? Or a junior? I can't tell. Um, he was doing the soccer thing. You running upstairs? Was that part of your training in soccer? I mean, I know you gotta lift your legs up high if you want to, like, lift your knees up high if you want to get that ball. For heaven's sake, of course he's gonna... He's gonna bust out and be like, oh, you know when you reach a certain age, son? It's like, you're 40 years old. Okay, seriously? If I thought that way about my husband, who's going to be 45, he'd have one foot in the grave. And he doesn't. He doesn't exercise either, but for heaven's sake, come on. Granted, 40 is not what it was in 1985. 40 is literally like the new 20. I've heard that somewhere. I've heard that somewhere. I can't you know, say cite the source, but I've heard it. Whoops, there goes my remote. Hold on a second. Shoot. He says at my age, a guy trying to get his body in shape is uh, pretentious. Brooks like, hey, look, we can run this race together, okay? Dexter and Alfonso are doing that. We can do it too. He just kind of claps Rick on the back. says, like, you know what? I will think it over and I'll get back to you. Well, that's a No. You don't even have to think. You're going to think about it as far as it takes you to cross into the kitchen. Oh, by the way, I'm not doing that. So I'm going to play this clip. Dad, you love birds, don't you? No. Yeah. I don't. Except right after I've had my car washed. <laughs> Wouldn't you hate to see the bald eagle go the way of the hula hoop? You mean hanging in our garage? 
Dad. Sorry. I guess I'm as concerned about our national emblem as the next guy. Good. Because I want you to raise money for the bald eagle by running up the stairs of the Empire State Building. Couldn't I just send him a check? It's not the same thing. Here's a chance to do something patriotic for your country and something for yourself at the same time. You mean kill two birds with one stone, huh? <laughs> What's in this deal for me? Well, you'll, you'll get in shape. Yeah, I'm in shape. Try again. Can you do this? <laughs> Dad, the racism for a month. I'll help you get in shape. I know some stuff about training from soccer. Well, son, see, the thing is, man reaches a certain age where trying to get his body in shape is pretentious. We can run this race together. Dexter and Alfonso will be in it. What do you say? Come on. I'll tell you what. I'll think it over, and I'll get back to him. Yeah, right. That always means no. Exactly. Well, in this case, it means maybe. Yeah, After right. all, I do care about wildlife. It's not wildlife I'm worried about. It's your life. He's not going to die right then. My God, is he going to have a heart attack? I think because Rick read about the cardiac heart disease thing, he uh, is a little worried about his dad's health because just the fact that he doesn't exercise. It's like, well, he doesn't smoke either. But and Rick's like, it's not the bald eagle's life that I'm worried about. It's your life that I'm concerned about. Before Edward goes into the kitchen, he just kind of side-eyes Rick as Rick's getting his biology textbook. He's like, what is, I'm really thinking, like, where is this coming from? So he heads into the kitchen, and Kate's there, and of course, Uncle Harry is still hanging out with them, I guess? I, I don't know why. So Edward comes in, and he's like, you won't believe what Rick is trying to get me to do. Run up the stairs of the Empire State Building. Can you believe that? And Kate's like, where do kids come up with this stuff? And Harry's like, yeah, it's amazing that kids think their fathers can do anything. So, of course, Edward kind of latches on to this doubt coming from Harry. He's like, what, you don't think I can do it? I'll have you know I happen to be a championship skier. Skier is not, and that was what, in college? You're 40 years old. That is not the same thing as lifting your legs going up one set of stairs after another. That's right! And Harry's like, yeah, well, that was downhill. It's not like you're using your skis to climb uphill. Even Kate has to laugh about this. Like, <laughs> no, she don't like exercise. She kind of is like, well, what Uncle Harry's trying to say is that you haven't skied competitively for, competitively for a very long time. Uh, yeah. And I gotta say, I'm sorry, but even though I hear that sex is considered an exercise, unless you're doing it consecutively, I mean, how many calories are you really burning? And you can't compare that to racing up the Empire State Building either. Everybody's like, oh, well, it hasn't been a long time. It's only been 20 years. Two decades, yes. She even tells him what you should probably already know, which I'm sure he does. You can't run a race like that on a whim. You That is something you got to train for. And I think you probably need more than a month. Then she also brings up about, oh, you hear about some middle-aged man doing stuff like this. And the next thing you know, like, oh, he has a heart attack or something. Oh, Harry says croaking. So Edward's all like, look, I still got a few good years left in me. 
I um, more than a few good years. And Harry's like, yeah, that's what they all say before they all like clutch their chest and like pass over in their dinner plate. He's like, well, that could ruin my dinner. Just thinking of him having a heart attack. And he turns to, he looked at her like, would you get married again? And she's like, before they could even scrape the clam sauce off of you. Yes. <laughs> so she says, yeah, if you want to prevent that from happening, stay out of the race. <laughs> I'm going to play this. This is just funny. It's because he's like, can you believe what Rick said about this? And now it's like everyone's saying, or Kate and Harry are saying, oh, well, you shouldn't do this. You know, you're, you're too old. And now it's almost like Edward's wanting to do this now just to prove that he isn't. Rick was the one that put this in Edward's head to begin with. Apparently, Rick thinks it's almost like, oh, if you don't do this and exercise, that you're going to die because you're over, you're 40 years old and you haven't exercised. That is one of the three things you need to do to be able to live to be 100. Rick wants me to do? Enter a race up the Empire State Building. The inside or the outside? <laughs> Where do kids come up with these crazy ideas? Yeah, crazy. It's funny how kids think their fathers are so fantastic that they can do anything. What, you don't think I can do it? I used to be a competitive skier. Big deal. That was downhill. <laughs> I think what Uncle Harry is trying to say is that you haven't skied competitively for a long time. It hasn't been a long time. It's only been 20 years. <laughs> Hon, you can't run a race like that on a whim. I mean, every day I read about some middle-aged man overdoing it, and, well, you know. Broken. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite ready for the trash heap yet. There's a few good years left in me, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what they all say. Right before they clutch their chests and nosedive into their linguine. <laughs> that could ruin my dinner. <laughs> if it did happen, would you get married again? before they could scrape the clam sauce off your face. <laughs> and if you want to prevent that from happening, stay out of the race. Dad, you're going to enter the race? I might. Oh, you're not serious about this, are you? Sure I am. Come on, there's some spring left in the old legs, huh? <laughs> After spring comes the fall. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Great! <laughs> Well, at least get a checkup first. Okay, I'll go down to the medical center first thing tomorrow. When you get down there, do yourself a favor. What? Take the elevator. <laughs> so Rick come down, comes down the stairs and he's like, oh, Dad, are you really going to uh, do the race? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. And Kate is just looking like, you can't be serious. Are you seriously going to do this? He's like, Yeah. So she makes him promise to go and get a checkup in the morning. And Harry's like, yeah, uh, why don't you use the elevator? So looks like we got Rick and Edward. They've been going for a run and stuff like that. How about going up and down stairs? That might be good practice, too. You gotta, like, exercise to lift your legs up. Rick, Rick of course, he's like 15 and he's got a young teen's body who can handle things but of course Edward comes in he's got a gray hooded sweatshirt he's got gray sweatpants but he's got like green shorts over them I don't is that was that a thing in the 80s I mean I I was born in 82 but I don't ever remember putting shorts over my pants 
The Rook doesn't even look like he's broken a sweat, and Edward is just like, the door's closed, he's leaning back against it, like, ugh. And Rick's like, Dad, don't you feel great? And Edward's like, no, I don't. So Rick's like, all right, all we got left to do is the stairs. Give him a second. My, how long did they run for? Bill's like breathing, like, oh, the stairs, my favorite part. So Rick's like, come on, Danny runs for the stairs. And Edward, of course, like, okay, I'm coming. And then he fall, he hits one step, goes flat on his face, and in the process trips his son, who's just a far, little bit farther up the steps. Like, dang. He's... Edward's face hits the back of Rick's shoe when he goes down, thus tripping Rick. But dang, guy, you face planted. That must have hurt. 1,575 steps. I don't think you're racing up those steps, guy. How much time left does he have before this race? What about Dexter? What is he doing to do all this? He should be training with someone who's... Right around the same age as him. I mean, nothing wrong with training with your son, but your son is like leaps and bounds ahead of you. The what can be, what he can do, and what you clearly can't do as much as you used to. What <laughs> this is just my god, poor guy. That was terrific. Now don't you feel great? No. <laughs> All we've got left to do is the stairs. Oh yeah, the stairs. My favorite part. Come on! Okay! <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna race up 1,575 of these. It'll be fun, Dad! No, it won't, Rick! Come on. Uh, ready? Okay. Go. Enough. Uh, 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 you still have to go through the proper cool down exercises. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is my cool down exercise. Now, come on. If you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. He's all yours, coach. Oh, no. Not the Terminator. <laughs> oh. Okay. Now, just watch me. Are you watching? I may be tired, but I'm not dead. <laughs> over with the flat back, all the way down, and hey. Won't do any good if you bend your knees. <laughs> you mind? Well, you're just cheating yourself. You're doing fine. You deserve a reward. I'll go get you some orange juice and desiccated liver powder. Be still, my stomach. <laughs> tell you about one punch murphy he had to fight for the middleweight championship of the army against a guy 10 years younger he was an underdog just like you are and this story has a point right one punch worked out day and night just like you're doing i hope this has a happy ending no one thought he had a chance two thousand people in the stands just waiting to see him fail and you know what happened? What? 
He got cold cocked with the very first punch. <laughs> and that's how he got his name. One Punch Murphy. Thanks for the pep talk, Harry. You know something? I feel pretty good. Ah, my head is clear, my lungs are strong. Ha! I feel great. Here's to the race. With He's going to collapse. 48 hours to blast off. He's going to collapse. Uh-oh. What? 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 What are you looking at? My neck is stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> stuck neck? Nothing to it. Stiff I'll neck. use the Lowenstein maneuver. Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. So Rick and Edward run up the stairs as Kate is starting to come down. She's got a couple towels for them to kind of cool off. She's also dressed in like a leotard for the cool down period, which is after you run, you're supposed to cool down. She's doing some yoga exercise poses with, you know, pulling your leg back up behind you and just doing your bending and your stretching. Rick goes to get Edward a glass of orange juice. Uncle Harry, of course, is going to offer some advice, a story about some one punch Murphy who trained and then... He trained so hard that when he got into the ring, he was knocked out with the first punch. Hence, one punch Murphy. Rick, uh, Edward takes his juice, but then he's staring up at the ceiling and everyone's kind of looking up like, what are you looking at? I thought he was going to like collapse or clutch his heart because they're making such a big deal about the coronary heart dis disorder, disability, or um, disease or something. So I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to end badly. But no, he's got a stiff neck. So Harry's like, oh, I can fix this. He takes Edward's head in his arm, kind of almost like a semi-headlock in a way. And even Kate's like, Harry, don't. And then he goes and goes, you hear his neck like crack sideways. It's like, great. That feels much better. No, it's fine. Like, Kate, can you please call a doctor? Like, you really shouldn't have touched him because you probably permanently could have done some neck damage. And after you hit a certain point in age, I'm sure 40 and over, it's going to take longer for parts of your body to heal. You're not going to heal as quickly as, like, Rick would if he, like, broke a leg or had a stiff neck. So Dexter comes over to check on Edward. He's got some flowers and he asks Kate, like, how is it? How's he doing? And Kate's like, well, the doctor said it could be much worse. And you hear like this groaning and just sound like someone's in massive pain. It's like he just got his head, instead of being stiff, like staring straight up, his neck is now, I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen him yet since that happened. So maybe the doctor did fix his neck and he, now he's in a neck brace or something. came over as soon as I heard. How is he? Well, the doctor said it could be a lot worse. But he'll be all right, won't he? Oh. <laughs> it's been like that all morning. Oh. Oh. I knew he was going to like a neck brace. What are you doing? <laughs> Legless. Wait a minute. 99. 100. 
guns? There's absolutely nothing the matter with me. Yeah, right. Uh, of course there isn't. You'll just be the only runner at the race who uses handicapped parking. <laughs> All I had was a slight muscle spasm. Doctor gave me a little shot, told me to wear this for a day. This thing will be gone by race time, which is... Three hours away. Listen, I'm going to leave you to this insanity. Here, I bought you a Merlin Olsen tough guy bouquet. Tough guy bouquet? I'll put it in some hard water. <laughs> well, there's a lot to be said for your perseverance, but I'll be polite and keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'll see you on the observation deck. Well, did you talk any sense into him? I tried, but that neck brace seems to have cut off all circulation to his brain. He's non-compass mentis. What's that? Wacko! <laughs> Can we talk? Uh, sure. Can we talk with you standing still? Oh, I can't stop now, Rick. What's on your mind? I'm asking you, as your son, don't go through with this race. You and I'm telling up. you, as your father, butt out. <laughs> Excuse me, I have stair work to do. I know why you're doing this. It's because Uncle Harry called you a wimp, isn't it? No, of course not. He called me a wimp? <laughs> well, I hope you're not doing this for me. I'm not. Yeah, right. What kind of reason is that? It's personal. Oh, sure. If I want to get my ear pierced, then we can talk. <laughs> but you can run around this house like a maniac in a neck brace, then it's top secret. Sit up, son. I've never told anybody this before <laughs> in my life. Then it really is a secret? When I was at Aspen Junior College, I was on the ski team. That's yeah. all? No, there's more. They... Our last meet of the season was with our arch rivals, Boulder School of Broadcasting. <laughs> it was down a ski run they called the dreaded Kamikaze Cliff. That sounds rough. <laughs> See? A few days before the meet, I was gargling, and my neck got stuck. Oh, you've had this neck thing before, then. That's right. And I told the coach I couldn't race. Of course you couldn't. You had a bum neck. No, Rick. The problem wasn't here. The problem was here. What was the matter? All these years, I've wondered if I didn't just chicken out. Dad, you'd never do that. I don't know. I think I was afraid I couldn't handle that mountain. Then don't think about it. Can't help it. I think about it every time I gargle. <laughs> so, this is like a second chance for you. You want to race with eagles to prove you're not a chicken. <laughs> That's right. And this time, I'm going to make it. Go get him, Dad. Ah! So you think when Dexter hears Edward groaning in pain, like, oh no, he's in pain because of, you know, his neck. No, he's groaning because he is 
doing those are they leg lifts where you're like holding on to the handles and you're like lifting like your legs up and stuff like he's still even though he's wearing a neck brace which he is he's still training for the marathon or i mean the uh the race with eagles you know run up the steps and dexter can't talk any sense into edward edward is doing this re- regardless of what he says rick is like look i'm gonna dexter i'm gonna try to talk to him too i and i'm just thinking rick this is you asked him to do this and he also says that uncle harry called you know, Edward a wimp. It's like, is that why you're doing it? Because you're trying to prove him wrong. Turns out the reason Edward's doing this, and he's had a neck issue before um, when he was gargling. He, like, pulled a muscle or something like that. And he was on the ski team. They're, like, going to be going up against their biggest rivals. And they're supposed to go down this mountain or that's, like, really treacherous and dangerous. And... Edward had, you know, told about the whole neck issue, and I think what it was for Edward, it didn't, turns out what he told Rick, it really wasn't so much just the neck issue, it was more like Edward wasn't ready, mentally he was not prepared, he wasn't ready, he didn't think that he could do it, so in a way he felt like maybe he did chicken out, and Rick sees this like, okay, so what you're saying is this is a second chance to be able to, it's basically, I'm proving something to myself. So that's why he wants to continue with this. So Rick's like, well, if this is what you got to do, then do it. Like, you have my full support. So now Kate is in the kitchen with the Merlin Olsen tough guy flowers. So she and Harry are talking about whether they think that what Edward's going through is a midlife crisis. Uh, No, I've heard of midlife crises where men buy sports cars, they cheat on their wives that they've been married to for over 25 years with a 25-year-old supermodel or whatever. I mean, I've those are the only two midlife crisis things that I can think of. Oh, Uncle Harry says, yeah, it could be worse. He could be out there chasing floozies. And Kate just kind of looked at him with a raised eyebrow like, floozies? And Harry's like, yeah, you know, bimbos. Rick comes in all jazz like, hey, good news. And Kate's like, he's dropping out. And Rick's like, no, he's gonna do it. He's gonna race. So Rick leaves. I don't know where he's going. But Harry sits down in the kitchen with Kate. And he's like, ah, that's it. The bets are on. And Kate's like, what bets? You're betting on my husband? Gardener and a pool man. I didn't even know they had a pool there. Wow. Garden I get, because, sure. But they got a pool? Are we going to see this pool at any time between season four and season five? Uh, Maybe. Maybe we'll see it. I don't know. Maybe Rick also has a pool party for his 16th birthday. I don't know. That episode I'd seen on television, but it's still kind of fuzzy. Because it's been over 20 plus years. And Kate's like, wow, I can't believe they'd bet against Edward, the pool boy and the, uh, or the pool guy and the gardener. And Harry's like, oh, no, they're not betting against him. (laughs) Kate's like, oh, you're betting he won't win. And Harry's like, no, I'm betting that he won't make it to the 60th floor. (laughs) So basically, he won't make it halfway. I like how Kate has confidence in her husband. Like, if Edward goes into that race, he's gonna make it to the top. And Harry's like, oh, you're talking out of love and loyalty. 
And he there he says, if you weren't my favorite niece, I would be taking your money. Let me guess. She says, I'm your only niece. So she bets him 50 bucks. And he's like, no, it's against my ethics and principles. She's like, $100. Like, you're on. Oh, God. I'm going to say I am liking this episode a little bit more than the last one. I really, I really am. Because it gives me something to root for. Or someone to root for. Edward is not the only one who's training for this race with the Eagles. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There might be Rick there and Dexter and Alfonso. You got a good deal of people there. You got some ladies there. Cool. Those shirts are so generic looking. They're basically white with red lettering that says Race with Eagles. And we got a red bald eagle on a, on a platform. <laughs> Dang, that t-shirt really accentuates uh, Joel Higgins' uh, pecs and arms. Wow. <laughs> Pretty nice. <laughs> So, Edward's like, wow, did you see how tall this building is? And Harry's like, yeah, as he's looking at him, and it's all straight up. Oi. Did you see how tall this building is? And it's all straight up. (laughs) Big building. The bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? Edward, I want to tell you something that Vince Lombardi once said to me. There's no shame in quitting. Harry, why don't we go to the gift shop and I'll buy you a tiny Empire State Building with a teeny gorilla on it. I'd rather have favorite. Well, let's finish limbering up. Yeah. Oh. Oh boy. Something new, right by. There you are. Hey, hi. <laughs> what? What's this? Looks like a camel hat. Dexter, what's with the hat? I save a lot of time in water breaks with this baby. Oh yeah, that's a good I'm idea. I'm gonna pretend I'm with someone else. <laughs> okay, let's go, folks. Last call for the runners to line up. Last call? I never heard any first call. Hey, do I tell you what shorts to wear? <laughs> okay. Quick review of the official rules. Number one, first one to the top win. Okay. Number two, no gum allowed. They're all chewing gum? Okay, Dad, now let's start out easy, then pick up the pace. Pace. Pace, that's the key. Uh, go. Go, go. everyone's stretching and of course Harry's like oh there's no shame in quitting because you know um, he's betting against Edward to lose or not make it to the 60th floor so Kate's like alright you know Uncle Harry let's go and get you an Empire State Building with a gorilla on top and he's like I'd rather have Faye Ray so of course I I saw Rick like chomping on some gum and then the guy's like oh um no gum that's rule number two the first rule of course is whoever makes it to the top first wins no duh um and everyone throws out everyone was chewing gum and it's kind of funny as everyone's kind of preparing before the guy says go um 
this 20-something-year-old guy is, like, striking right next to Edward. Like, of course, you're going to make him feel even more, like, uh, out of his element. But he's been training, and he's ready and everything. And it's kind of funny, because Dexter was wearing this hat, which everyone's like, oh, that's ridiculous for 1985. No, it kind of, like, that is what today's would be, like, um, what are those called? Like, a camel pack or something that's got, like, water jug bottle things that you can just drink from, and you don't have to stop what you're doing that is pure genius why wouldn't you um what's the word i'm looking for um endorse something like that that is it's almost like kind of like those um those beer hats the things that got the like the the sippy like straw thingies coming down like with the beer oh yeah the the keg hats or whatever just turn it into like water things like what dexter did so the guy of course is fiddling the the guy like tells him to go is fiddling with a gun he just looks like go of course everyone's like thinking like oh it's gonna be like a starter pistol and and rook's like go 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 and his edward just boom like a shot he is like up there and then everyone follows after edward and rick they are currently on the 12th floor Edward is going based just on adrenaline, and he's like, hey, I think I started a new career here. And Rick's like, Dad, you gotta slow down, because you, basically, you gotta pace yourself. You got a lot more floors to climb, and you are gonna be dead before you even get to the 40th floor. right edward can't keep up that pace forever because he's all jazzed like at the 12th floor you get to the 19th floor he is like collapsed down the stairs he's just breathing heavy it's like i told you you couldn't do that you can just keep running on adrenaline alone because everybody is now passing him starting with dexter then alfonso then a sl even girl scouts like apparently they were in the race too maybe they're towards the back and now we're on uh stairwell th floor 30 we got kate there with some water rick's doing all right you know he's he's 15 he can handle it he's you know a young man you know he's in sports and all that edward is just how is he still walking his legs look like jelly they look like they are dead inside because he is like taking this each step at a time like his legs legs are like bent and bow-legged just like he's gonna fall backwards this poor guy 
There's a railing there. I don't know if you can... Can you use the railing? That's not cheating, right? I mean, this is a race. Even if he doesn't make it to the top... Like, if he doesn't make it to the top, like, win the race before everyone... Because he's clearly not going to. But at least if he eventually gets to it, he can say he completed it. And even if you're not going to win the race, at least you can finish it. It might take you a bit. Everyone else might be going home by the time you finish. But you've gotten it done. So yeah, he takes the cup from Kate, this little paper cup, and he's trying to drink, and he's just like, Ugh, and the water just like lands right on his shoulder, doesn't even barely get any drops in his mouth, poor guy. The 41st floor, he has got to be crawling on his hands and knees at this point, that's what I'm guessing. How is he still standing upright? His legs are still bow-legged, he's like, eh, eh, eh. each step it's like, it's a miracle that he doesn't fall backwards. Could be using a band uh, the uh, the stair um railing thing, or that's probably cheating, isn't it? <laughs> he turns around, starts walking down the stairs, like no, no, you gotta turn around, you gotta go forward. Brooks finally got Edward up there on the landing there, and Edward's kind of looking over. It's like, dude, you were gonna go over that railing as Rick's like trying to come, like no, no, through this doorway, through this doorway. Come on, we can do it. Edward, Rick is basically carrying his father up the steps at this point as Edward's got an arm slung around. The fucking hell? Edward's got an arm slung around Rick's shoulder. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Son, you're gonna have to carry me. <laughs> Surprised you're not piggybacking off of Rick. And, and... Rick's like, Dad, there's a step. There's another step. Put your foot there. Put your foot there. And you see Harry and Kate. And Kate's like, Edward, this has gone far enough. You can barely walk. Harry, stop. Seriously? He's like, sure, wimp out and out. You try it. You try walking up those 40 flights of steps. Or 40 floors of steps. You would be dead. He wouldn't be faring any better than, than Edward.
finish. This is not going to be another Boulder School of Broadcasting. Oh, no, he's hallucinating. No, he's not. Come on, Dad. Only 25 more flights to go. 25 more? Faster, Spirit. There we go. We'll get there eventually. Do you think I'll ever get here? Okay, that's it, folks. Party's over. I gotta close up. Oh, please, just just ten more minutes. Give me a break, lady. I got tickets to La Boheme. <laughs> yeah, see that? The cleaning crew is starting to vacuum. <laughs> oh, God. That's not a vacuum. That's Edward. <laughs> there he is. He made it. Hello. Come on. Push him up there. Push him up those stairs. You can do it. struggling it's like no i'm gonna do this i'm going to complete this this isn't gonna be another what do you say boulder radio broadcast something or other yeah so i'm happy he stuck with it and even the guy it's like lady i gotta i gotta tickets to lava lamb which i can't remember what that was but she's like, no, 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 they're almost here. And you just hear, ah, ah, ah. and the guy's like, oh, good, the vacuum people are people are vacuuming. I'm like, no, no, that's Edward. As he finally made, I mean, sure, Rick has to push him. He sure he's gonna pull him up there, but he made it. He made it, and that is, he even got a little baby trophy for coming in last place. And uh, apparently, <laughs> the race had been over for a bit. Um, <laughs> Dexter, of course, won, and, um, you yeah, know, like, yeah, you should, Alfonso's like, you should have been at the buffet, it was so good, but all those, those public, the speakers, like, they went on for so long. A little bit of a break, I'll probably be coming back in June, 
But in the meantime, you have, you know, if you want to go and re-listen to Silver Spoon Seasons 1 through 3 or up to 4, you can do that. Um, The next episodes I will be focusing on, because I will keep up the two episodes in one. Season 4, Episode 9, entitled A Magnificent Obsession, which aired on November 24th, 1985. Rick tries to win back his girlfriend when she leaves him for the captain of the football team. And Season 4, Episode 10, entitled Judgment Day, which aired on December 1st, 1985. When Edward lectures him about his poor geometry grade, Rick goes crazy trying to improve it. So, yeah. All right. That being said, uh, have a great have a great spring and I'll be back in the summer. Bye bye everybody. Also, if you'd like to email the podcast, you can do so at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. Bye bye.